I'm in Hertfordshire, um, St Albans, uh, Cathedral City, um, very sort of like commuter belt, very 2.4 children, lovely, green. Um, but yeah, ex sort of city London people tend to kind of come here. Um, but yes, just literally 20 minutes on the train outside of London. Nice. And where are you, yeah, are yeah, you yeah. from there? Is that where you've always lived? Yes. Or? So um, I was born and bred in the UK in Surrey in, near Twickenham. Um, and, uh, so my parents came over in the 1970s. They're originally from North Africa. Um, and yeah, so I'm, you know, I consider myself British. Um, so yeah, no, born and, born and bred here. Nice. And <laughs> you have a very interesting area of expertise and correct me if I'm wrong. You, you are a family lawyer. Is that correct? <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Um, I didn't train as a family lawyer, but when you're a lawyer, uh, you very quickly can come to terms with other sort of areas of law. And because I went through the divorce process myself, I just learned it all. You just do. Um, but yes, I am a I am a solicitor. I'm a lawyer. Solicitor is sort of the English term. Um, and I'm also an accredited mediator as well. So I kind of bring these skills to my role as a divorce coach. My husband is a lawyer. And <sighs> in second year of law school, he was he was convinced that he was going to practice family law and then mm. he had a case that um, I guess ended well for his client he was able to assist his client but uh, when it came down to some giving some life advice on children my husband was like mm. I, I don't know I actually don't know what to mm. tell you kind of thing so because we don't have kids yet right and so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. he kind of he thought to himself maybe it's not the best area for me you know because it's yeah. there's a lot of it seems like there's a lot of therapy work almost involved you know a lot of clients come to you yeah yeah I think um I think there are lots of reasons, actually. It's quite interesting, your story about your kind of your husband wanting to do family law. I know lots of ex-family lawyers that got to the point where having had children, they found the whole concept of family law really difficult. It's a really hard, hard area. You know, it is very emotive. Um, everything from, you know, clients wanting to remove children out of jurisdiction, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes not. Sometimes it's a manipulation of the system. When you see the court system in the UK not working proactively and what can be sort of abuse cases, domestic violence, it's a really, really tricky area. But yes, I think one of the key things lawyers say, actually, which is why they tend to say, go see a divorce coach, is that people tend to kind of want to have some sort of therapy with their lawyer and that's not what they're there to do. A, it's costing you quite a lot of money per hour. And secondly, they're there to do the legal process. So, you know, and lawyers will tell you this. They're like, look, you don't want to talk to me. I'm not the right person. Talk to somebody else. I think go to a counsellor or a divorce coach. So move that kind of away. But yes, it's, it's emotive. You can't help it. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, children, husbands, wives, yeah. you know, it's our life, isn't it? It's, it's so emotive, can be, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. And you specialize in narcissistic mm. behavior. So it's, I find yes. that very interesting that you have expertise <laughs> in, you know, uh, divorce and coaching people on how mm -hmm. to go through that and specifically focusing on narcissism. Yes, and it's it's narcissism, toxic personalities, high conflict, essentially. Mm. Um, you know, we're very much living in a world of labels, aren't we? As long as we give it a label, it makes us feel better, we understand it. Um, 
certainly the word narcissist when I was going through my divorce was not that popular. And I, I essentially had to Google my ex-husband's behaviour and then reaming through the pages, this word narcissistic sort of popped up and it was, you know, oh my God, this is this is exactly what I seem to be going through. But yeah, I do have that unique selling point. I mean, there are loads of divorce coaches out there that um, are very much about building your life up again and what it's like dating after divorce. Uh, I'm very honest. I don't do that. <laughs> That's not what I do. I really am about coaching you pre, during and after divorce separation and learning, especially if you've got children, how to manage that narcissistic individual. And as we know, the word narcissist is just so big these days. Um, I think it's always been there. I think, you know, unfortunately, we live in quite a toxic kind of world. It's 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 rife. It's a pandemic in itself, I have often been quoted to say. Um, but yes, that is my sort of my area of expertise, high conflict, toxic, uh, narcissistic individuals. Does both men and women, by the way, both men and women. It affects both, right? Oh, just, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Is, in your experience, this is actually an interesting point. Is it more often that men or women are narcissistic? So this is a really good question. So a lot of Uh, men come to me going, do you coach men? And I'm like, yeah, I, I coach a lot of men, a lot of men. I think men are sometimes reticent to come forward asking for help. I think um, that might sound like a sexist comment, but actually I think on the whole, men don't generally like to ask for help. I mean, I think more and more so that has changed now. But um, I, I don't think it's fair to say that I have an equal measure of men versus women. I think women tend to ask for help more proactively, especially because they're more, in more often in all the cases are the resident parent with children. So they feel they really kind of need help. But I have a good 35 to 40% of my clientele are men. So that's quite a high status, but they are definitely coming to the fore now. The question of who's worse, <laughs> you know, I think it depends on the narcissist. I think, I think female narcissists are trickier, um, not trickier to identify per se by a male, but I think women are very manipulative and I think it's difficult for a man to think that he's been manipulated or taken over or uh, thwarted by a woman. Uh, I think females are more open to kind of going, okay, this is this is kind of what happened to me. But I've heard some specialists say that they consider some female narcissists more dangerous than the male ones. I could kind of see that in a way, mm, you know? Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. In the, and what you mentioned about men um, often not asking for help, I totally agree with you. I feel like mm. so often... Um, even in my life, like I look sometimes at my brother or, you know, my husband, mm. they kind of pile mm. up their emotions and they don't really yeah. want to talk about yeah. it. They don't. So it, you can tell that they're going through a hard time, but they're just not asking for help. Whereas women yeah. are a little bit more open to being like, okay, I think I need help. I think this isn't going right. Absolutely. Or I mean, it's that, it's that old adage of like a man will never ask for instructions when they're in the car and they're lost or they read instructions. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and, and that also applies to, and especially going to a woman, you know, I, I commend mend my male clients because especially going to a woman to talk about this I mean sometimes you might want to say that they might find that a bit I don't know they might find that easier actually going to a woman mm. than going to another man it, I think it depends on the male um, but I think there are a lot of emotionally connected emotionally available uh, vulnerable men that are like yeah this is this is where I'm at uh, I'm reading your stuff and I'm 
actually it's resonating and you're a woman and I'm with a woman that I think is narcissistic. So actually you're the best person to come to. Um, mm. But yeah, they, they it, it takes a lot for someone to kind of admit. And also I, I often find with my male clients actually that um, whereas a female client will be very, you know, they'll come for another session very quick and call out. For, for some of my male clients, they kind of almost need a little bit of a nudge like are you okay and then it's like oh I'm so glad you asked mm. so again I think you have to really know how to deal with male clients mm. to kind of bring out the best yeah yeah to bring out the best in them you kind of have to know your clientele base and really understand them like I really connect to my clients um uh, I think one of the, the most um, you know amazing qualities that someone said that I have is that my ability to remember all of their stories no matter how many number of clients that I do and I kind of yeah, I, I do have that thing. And I can always tell, I always have this kind of instinct about a certain male client. And I'm like, right, you're going to be the type of client I need to kind of nudge from time to time just to make sure that you're okay because you might not necessarily ask for help. Um, but yeah, just, just knowing how they operate is important. Yeah. And you mentioned something about, you know, women potentially being more dangerous when it comes to narcissism. I mm. saw, I think somewhere on Instagram a couple of months ago that, you know, people have talked so much about like toxic masculinity in the last, mm. you know, couple of years, but nobody talks mm. about toxic femininity, which also exists. Mm. Not, you know, I know it's mm. a broad term, but nobody mm. really talks mm. about that. And it's a thing. And a lot of men suffer yeah. from, you know, narcissistic yeah. behavior from their partner or some kind of toxic you know, yeah. traits that it's, yeah. it's an important subject to bring up, I feel like. Absolutely. And actually, you know, and I, I, I've hinted at the relationship of man and woman together as a partnership. But what about fathers, uh, sorry, uh, sons and mothers? Mm. You know, there is a, there's a lot of my client male base that have entered into narcissistic relationships because they've got narcissistic mother. You know, it's that unconscious part of our brain that unfortunately gets attracted to um, the same type of relationship that you know, that we've had in our sort of childhood. And we don't realise, but our, we think that we're going for something different, whereas our brain goes, oh, I recognise that bad, shitty behaviour. That's really attractive. And you kind of get drawn towards it. Um, so, yeah, it's not just... And even workplace, I mean, sisters, aunts, cousins, you know, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It can be a f other family work-life environment. But, yeah, absolutely. I think we need to talk more about the possibility that, you know, women can be equally as toxic and maybe it's because I don't know do we still think of women as vulnerable or you know but they they can be highly highly manipulative um and something to watch out for definitely and I think men actually commend maybe kind of other women talking about the fact that you know there are narcissistic females and I certainly make a great effort on my comms on Instagram and any other platform I use to kind of talk about actually men and women. I always say, and I, sometimes I get men going, you never talk about women. I'm like, no, 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 I always do. When I say they, I mean him or her. And I kind of purposely almost use those phrases as well sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I kind of, that's part of the reason also why I wanted to interview you because I was like, <laughs> she touches on both. And I like that. It's not just like, you know, going against no, no, one no. side. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No, 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 no. It'd be foolish to think that. And and I'm not like a one man band against all men on the contrary. I'm, um, I'm, I'm definitely for the four. I've seen it both in action and both can be equally as as toxic and troubling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. To, before, you know, we've dived into this, assuming that everybody understands what mm. narcissism is. Let's kind of bring it back to the basics. Okay. What is narcissism? Because you're right, the word has been 
sometimes even overused, you know, in the mm. mainstream these days. I feel like it's almost like a cop out for many people yes. for like a bad yeah. relationship. It's like, well, this person is a narcissist, but what Narciss- is mm. really narcissism? I'm going to come back to that second point because that's a really big one. It's a big bugbear for me is this use of the word narcissist. Yeah, they've had an affair, they're narcissistic. No, not necessarily. Maybe they're just selfish. And to use that word narcissist when someone's endured a narcissistic relationship almost um, minimizes a real narcissistic relationship. So, but we can talk about that in a minute. But narcissism in itself, it's, look, it's a cluster B personality. Um, it, it's a personality disorder and you're not born with it. You're not born narcissistic. Um, more often than not, it derives from a childhood trauma event or uh, or you've been raised by a narcissistic parent. But essentially, it's uh, a sense of creating a false self uh, because you're shamed or you don't feel that your real self is lovable. Um, and you demonstrate narcissistic traits of which kind of like the top uh, ones are total lack of empathy. Like you just do not understand the impact of your actions or consequences on another or their feelings. You do not take responsibility for your actions whatsoever. Um, it's always somebody else's fault. You have a sense of grandiosity. You could be covert narcissist, which means you're a little bit more sort of victim mentality. Um, um, you know, there's there's just so many different types of kind of, of those, but it's all around selfishness and it's all about yourself and you just cannot engage in any other kind of anyone else's world. Um, and you look for attention a lot. It's all about gaining what we call narcissistic supply, uh, whether that be through children, men, females, work, uh, whatever it is. But you, I often compare narcissists to a bit like a bottle that's got lots of holes in it and doesn't matter how much water you fill in it's always leaking and so narcissists sort of live their life forever needing that attention and that supply from somebody which is why they'll suck you dry you know we often feel like oh god i'm so exhausted i'm so depleted it's never a mutual relationship between two people it's all about what the narcissist can sort of take um more often than not, narcissists sort of profile what I call almost their victims. Uh, someone that's very empathetic, codependent is sort of prime suspect because they're forever giving uh, in order to feel validated. Uh, the narcissist sees suppliers, objects, not really real people. That's why they have no empathy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the list is endless. Um, but, yeah, it's I, I work with my clients sort of profile, whether you're overt or covert, because depending on the type of narcissist you act um, you know, a different way in your divorce. You'll take different steps. Uh, so that's sort of one of the key areas that I work um, with, with my clients. Hmm. It almost sounds like there's some traits of, I mean, I'm not a you know psychiatrist, so don't mm. quote me on that, but it sounds yeah. like there's a few traits from sociopathic behavior. Yeah, so I um, I kind of, to explain, because a lot of my clients would just say they're definitely psychopath or they're a sociopath. And I say that all sociopaths are narcissistic, but not all narcissists are sociopaths. And that is sort of psychology uh, terminology. I'm not a psychologist either, but uh, that is a sort of a known psychology sort of format. Um, but they can be. I think it depends. I mean, I talk a lot about the spectrum of narcissism. Um, so at the beginning, I would call it healthy narcissism. You know, do our hair, bit of makeup look nice in a dress um men look nice in a suit you know we kind of make an effort and the reason that's healthy narcissism is because it doesn't impact anybody you know it doesn't have a consequence you're not affecting somebody's life you're doing it for self-care and as we kind of grow on that sort of 
spectrum, the minute it starts to impact people's feelings and lack of empathy, and then you're starting to lie or, you know, have affairs or, or do dangerous things with money or gambling or addiction or, you know, pornography, then it's getting a sick sense of enjoyment out of causing people pain. Then you're heading right to that kind of malignant narcissism. So I guess it's all about finding where that partner is on that spectrum and learning how to manage that. And really, actually, the biggest part of dealing with a narcissistic partner is understanding and accepting who you're dealing with is probably one of the biggest things. Mm. Is it um, then fair to say that narcissists will usually pick a certain profile of a person? To, mm, to, yeah. I guess, mm. I don't know what the right word here would be to, to be the victim or, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well I, well, I, well, I say, you know, very openly, narcissists, I see them as predatory. They're predators. They're complete predators. And, and absolutely... You know, if, if a narcissist comes across, uh, let's take the male-female scenario, you know, if a male narcissist comes across a very strong, confident, self-assured, boundary-setting, self-loved female, that's going to last all of 30 seconds before she's like, red flag, red flag, dangerous, absolutely no, see you later. Narcissist is not going to go anywhere near someone like that. You know, who does the narcissist look for? Classic, empath, codependent, people pleasing, lack of boundary, vulnerability, low self-care, low self-love, all of that. And unfortunately, the world is full of that, unfortunately. And that's their prime uh, victim supply because it's easy to break the boundaries. It's easy to manipulate. It's easy to get what you want. Um, I have a I wrote a blog on my website about the narcissistic and codependent dance, I call it. And the reason it's a dance is because both of those individuals dance very beautifully together. Why? The narcissist is always looking for that attention, supply, need, fill me up, fill me up, make me feel good, make me feel good. And never gives back. And the codependent uh it seeks validation. So we'll always give, 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 you know, that whole, if I do this, am I good? If I do this, will you love me? If I do this, will you validate me? So there's this kind of one way traffic that's kind of going from the codependent to the narcissist and it kind of forever goes, but you know, it, they're stuck together in that way until the codependent realizes that nothing's ever coming back. It's not mutual. It's not two way. And then they start to pull back and then the narcissist kind of goes, what are, what are you doing here? But that's why it's stuck there for a while in that kind of very toxic, you know, I, I, I'll do, I'll do, tell me I'm good. And the surprise like, yes, yes, keep giving, keep giving, keep giving. But it's a kind of a dance that goes on. And it can go on for 30, 40 years sometimes. Yeah, I mean, often, the mo in most cases, it's always the arrival. We always think there's a big event that kind of happens in order for the relationship to really start to break down, uh, whether it's kind of the finances change or more often than not, it's the arrival of children. Because the codependent's attention gets very swiftly diverted to the care of children. Um, and it's about, you know, your attention is elsewhere. And the, and the narcissist is like, uh, hello, what about me? And one of the most challenging conversations I have with my clients um, and, you know, on social media is the acceptance that narcissists don't treat their children the same way as, let's say, non-narcissists do. Um, they see them again as objects of, of supply they don't empathize with them in any way they see them as extensions of themselves they can treat them very differently i 
talk a lot about the scapegoat and golden child theory. Some narcissists will golden child one child because either they represent everything about them or they represent everything that's different about them. And then they might scapegoat a child that reminds them of the other parent or they might scapegoat a child that reminds them of their weaknesses about them. It's quite complex. And again, it depends very much on the narcissist. Um, but they don't, yeah, they don't, they would never sacrifice themselves for them. They they have to come first. And that's probably one of the, another key traits of a narcissist is they, their needs and they come first at all costs. And I mean all costs, children, relationship, parents, everything. Ouch. Mm, it's painful. It's really sore. And I think to understand that it's got nothing to do with you as the partner or the child or the mother mm-hmm. or the father is, is again, a big thing to kind of understand that it's just how, unfortunately, the trauma event or the narcissistic parent has built this, you know, child into an adult, that, that that's what it is. And deep down, actually, and this is probably, I don't know, this might come as a surprise maybe to some of your listeners, narcissists are actually have loads of self-doubt they're very insecure they're massively insecure they loathe themselves they don't like who they are they feel unloved and unlovable which is why they create this mask of this is who i am to attract that lovely new supply and then you know that mask will drop the minute they've kind of secured um secured their their next supply so all of that confidence it's just a facade that they put oh, on. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah I guess it makes sense because you said it comes from trauma. It comes from childhood mm. trauma. And mm-hmm. so you said that that's something that people aren't born with. It's something that, you know, usually is triggered yes. by a trauma event. Does that mean that it can be cured then? Mm, no, because a personality disorder is something that's been instilled in the way that you've grown up. I mean, there is some, some debate in the narcissistic world that there may be some genetic predisposition to being narcissistic, but the vast majority are of the view that it has been caused by something in your childhood. It could be abandonment by one parent, so it makes you feel that you're not loved as a child, you know, thinking that, you know, for a child, for instance, a parent leaving is like the most unthought of concept you know a child is born with like you know this is you know I'm not talking about they always think there's two parents it's whoever parent is there and if a child has been born into a family of two parents then they fundamentally believe that those two parents are there and if there's suddenly a change there's this what you've gone that's unfathomable for the child and that can often be a trigger event or abuse or a neglect or whatever aspect in of trauma that can happen in a child that then it cultivates and changes their personality as they grow up from child to teen to adulthood. And it's formed. It's, you know, our personalities are not created the minute we're born. We're, you know, it's all about nature and nurture and how they're kind of formed. And, and that's what happens. It's something that has happened in that growing up phase um, that kind of has, has meant that that's who they are. You know, you can't change who you are. This is who I are. This is who I am. This is how I think. This is how I feel. Um, and no, no amount of um, counselling can change. And I think, again, that's a really difficult concept for people to understand. I think someone's like, what do you mean? Just go to counselling, it'll be fine. <laughs> um, but no, it's not. It's a personality disorder. It's who they are. It's fundamentally who they are. It's who they're made up of. It's something that they just live with. Um, yeah. It's interesting yeah. that you mentioned, you know, people who usually fall fall victim to, to narcissists. It's so interesting to me how comfortable people are in comfortable in uncomfortable situations sometimes. You know, we talked mm. about that sometimes it can last so long and yes, yes. Y- you look at it from the side and you're thinking, how, how, like, how are you still in this relationship? How are you still maintaining this? 
and people just yeah. need to be comfortable with with the uncomfortable i think it's um i think it's about our own personal journeys that we've encountered and what where our line is where is our line and if we are incredibly vulnerable code you know really codependent trauma bonded to to the what's trauma bonding trauma bonded is you know this situation where you need everything to be fine between you and this partner and if things are not then you're kind of wanting the the soothe you want them to soothe the anxiety that we feel when we're not okay you know when you've sort of had an argument with maybe your husband you think oh I don't really like the way if this is not nice I feel uncomfortable and the narcissist sort of loves that scenario and when you're trauma bonded is that you cannot function without that particular person relieving your anxiety and that's why it's called trauma bonding because instead of trying to seek relief elsewhere or outwardly or inwardly from yourself that person needs to give you that relief which means you're stuck they cause it, they have to relieve it. They cause it, they have to relieve it. Um, but it depends where, yeah, if, if you're seriously trauma bonded, very, very codependent, very vulnerable, you, you you simply cannot fathom the concept of leaving. It just doesn't even enter your mind. You cannot do it. And it takes a lot of therapy. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they simply don't exit those relationships. And they can be highly abusive. Um, and sometimes it needs a lot of work. And, and then there are some people that just go, you know, uh, domestic violence is not my line but an affair is my line or uh, an affair is not my line but domestic violence is it depends where everyone's almost like threshold is it depends on the person but yes I've I have clients that have been with their partners for 50 years and then have gone like that's it I just cannot do this anymore and there are a lot of clients that I have that fundamentally also believe that they need to stay when they have children feel that they're financially trapped that because they're not working and looking after children there's just no ability for them to leave that maybe it might take some inheritance for them to gain some money to be able to leave you know everybody's story uh is so different and it depends on the circumstances but I'm I have I've heard some really sad stories of you know men and women that have been with partners for so so many you know the best part of their kind of adult life and and have then just gone I'm broken I just can't do this anymore or I have had clients that have come to me hoping that they could make the change you know really desperately going you've got to help you've got to, and then just disconnect and then just go right I'm, ne- I'm never going to do this I just can't do it and then just stay um so you know it's 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 sad it's really sad to kind of yeah have have that happen hmm. Do you, I, I remember this is kind of, you know, to, I guess, a, a bit of a comic relief, although I don't know if it's necessarily comic, but I saw on the mm. internet once that people who have like a higher degree of narcissism post mm. a lot of selfies on social media. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> um, God, I hope not because I got loads. <laughs> that's what I thought to myself too. I was oh like, my oh my God, God am I a narcissist? <laughs> Yeah. And this is it, isn't it? This is one of the big questions that we get asked quite a lot. It's like, uh, you know, one of my, a lot of my clients go, Noel, am I narcissistic? Is it me? Is it me? And I always go, the fact that you even questioned whether you are, like, maybe it's me because I've been reading your thing and I'm def- I think I'm definitely one of those things. And it's like, well, the mere fact that you're introspective, you know, narcissists can never look within. And the mere fact that you can look within is like a massive, massive, massive sign. But look, I think we live in a world of selfies. Um, you know, my God, I'm on stories every day. If we go by that, I really am. Game, game set, match over for me. But yeah. no, I think... You know, I, again, is that healthy narcissism? Probably. Why is it bad narcissism? Are you are you impacting anybody's life? Not really. Uh, do we live in a world where, unfortunately, what you look like is really important? Yes. Let's be really important. Let's be honest. Um, you know, I think people just maybe we, that's maybe a way of self love as well. But again, it's like 
how your selfie impacts another is maybe where we need to be on that as you know before declaring that they're all narcissists that's fair yeah <laughs> am, that's am i hurting I mean. anybody <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but then that's what i mean you know you, you kind of you know we've touched on we're going back to that point that i was talking about this word narcissism being used so easily now and that you know a lot of us in the industry are just like well can, can, it, can we be careful and i have i've had clients come to me going oh he or she is definitely a narcissist. They had an affair. I mean, it's just definite. And I sort of say, you know, I engage with them. We have an onboarding session. And then I kind of go through it and I'm just like, I can't see any narcissistic behavior here. But they had an affair. And I'm like, well, they're just selfish. Mm. They're selfish, but that doesn't mean they're narcissistic. You know, narcissistic or NPD, narcissistic personality um, disorder is, you know, you've got to hit some sort of traits there. And just having an affair isn't, isn't one of, you know, it isn't the one. It, there's lots of things to kind of do there. So, I think people are using that terminology so swiftly and it kind of minimizes what a true seriously toxic narcissistic personality impact can have on someone that's enduring that. So we need to be careful not to misuse the word, I think, definitely. I agree you know, with like you. you said, yeah. yeah, and like you said, you know, <gasps> posting selfish, so narcissistic. Like, well, actually, are they? You know, yeah, yeah. It's just that they kind of what you're angry about is that they love themselves a little bit too much, maybe, and that's okay. But maybe they can be that and super caring, super empathetic. That's okay, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I like the kind of the criteria that you brought up. It's like, are they hurting anybody? Are they hurting you with mm. their behavior? Or is it just that you don't mm. like? watching someone post so many selfies right exactly exactly and if that's the case then I suggest you don't follow them anymore but you know it's, it's really understanding is and again like I said you know social media Trump like a Merkel you know you name it uh has brought up the word narcissist so much as well that we're very quick to kind of label it everybody loves a label everybody loves a label which is why I you, I definitely, you know, I work by the word narcissist. Everybody knows that that's my area of specialty. But I do use also, you know, I say toxic high conflict individuals because that encompasses it. That also, I'm kind of there not to make sure that we're not just focusing on that word and that, you know, you can be, like I said, highly toxic and highly high conflict without maybe necessarily being narcissistic. Um, but you're still difficult. You're a difficult, difficult ex yeah. to deal with. Do you have people coming to you who go through physical abuse in their relationships? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, again, it depends very much on the type of narcissist. Most malignant, overt narcissists are physically and uh, verbally abusive. Um, and unfortunately, that is kind of something, you know, it's sad. And that's definitely something that I see with my clients. Yes, yes, I do. Domestic violence cases are quite high. And do you have, this is something that I recently, I guess, started to think about. Do you have that from women as well? So can women be physically abusive in relationships? Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're definitely breaking uh, that sort of, uh, you know, false image of women unable to hit men. There are many men out there that would never dream of hitting a woman if they were hit. And there are many women out there that have slapped, kicked, you know, some of my clients are, she hit me, she slapped me, she hit me with a bottle, uh, she hit me with a number, you know, loads of things. Um, and, you know, they can be just as violent as, as men. And I think sometimes we just think because a man is strong and big, he has to be the aggressor, but that's not, that's not right at all. You know, I have men that have shown me scratches, uh, you know, actual, you know, marks on their faces and backs from, from having been beaten up by a woman. So domestic violence caused by women is definitely a serious issue and it is happening. Yes. I've, I've heard of that, unfortunately. And apparently in a lot of these instances, when men come for help, they're kind of looked at, 
in almost like a humiliating way. Like, why are you even coming, coming to, to get help with this? Like you're, you're kind of a guy. So it's more, mm-hmm. it's more catered towards, I feel like that whole, you know, area of, of physical abuse, mm-hmm. not catered, that's not mm-hmm. the right word, but mm-hmm. it's almost very one-sided in a lot of cases. And I think in the last, well, at least from what I have seen, that subject is being brought up more and more. And like you're yeah, saying, you're, you're yeah. dealing with that quite a bit more. And also, you know, I think, and and there are scenarios of really butch, strong men, <laughs> you know, with a tiny little sort of maybe, you know, partner, wife, um, and saying, I, I have been, you know, I've, I've, there's been some domestic violence. And I'm thinking, who is going to take me seriously? Mm. Like, who right now? And that's just because it can happen. They, she can attack this man, you know. It's just that she can't. It's just that it, if that man is just kind of protecting himself or not hitting back, it can happen. Why, why can't it? Yeah. And I think a lot of men think that no one is going to take me seriously. Who's going to listen to my voice? And there are lots of charities that are come up and coming about, you know, domestic violence for men um, in, you know, and, and a kind of understanding that they need to come forward. So, yeah 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 very interesting it's Mm, i feel like mm. from just listening to you know your your work it's like never a dull moment do you ever have you know work a work day when it's like you know what it's kind of boring today No, <laughs> no, no, it's not. And, you know, I'm forever privileged um, that people kind of choose me as the person to sort of help them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so um, grateful for that. I really am. And the fact that they share their stories or they come to me for help and they disclose kind of things that happen to them um, is like a big thing. But, you know, what, one of the things that people sort of ask me sometimes is, aren't you drained by having to sort of support? And I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't. In fact, I get a kick of energy from supporting these clients a lot um and I, I i i i get an energy and i think that energy is just feeling like i'm maybe helping them making a change changing their lives and you know i'll, I'll always say if i change one person's life then i've done a good thing for, for my whole life but um no it's never never a dull moment and the stories are kind of amazing i'm writing a book actually um at the moment uh uh, just sort of my top sort of 10 stories um I think there are a lot of books out there about you know how to divorce a narcissist or who is a narcissist but I think a collection of stories um of of and and obviously it'll all be very anonymous etc and you know my clients know that I'm doing this but of of types of narcissism and sort of the story that they encounter because I think everybody can relate to a story you know it's that whole kind of me too campaign that's quite strong um and if we feel that we can read something that kind of goes oh my god somebody else went through that oh my god that's even worse than me or you know whatever there are traits of that that are similar to mine it kind of makes us feel like okay it's not just me it's not just me yeah cool I'm excited to to have your book come out that'd be interesting yes yes I wanted to also ask you a question about your opinion of you know you mentioned previously that a lot of times uh people can have like this idea that I can't leave this relationship because you know of children or some kind of financial Mm. aspect when it comes to children, is there, in your opinion, like an age where you just, you know, you have to wait until to get a divorce or mm. it's, I know it's a very touchy subject. And I mean, I can't come mm. to that. I don't have kids. So it's, you know, but mm. I'm just curious mm. because you hear so many stories of, you know, well, I stayed with mm. him or I stayed with her because of our, because of our children. Mm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned, um, of course, there's... there's some kind of, you know, trauma that gets inevitably mm. developed to a certain level in the mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. If, you know, parents are mm-hmm. together and then suddenly one parent leaves. Mm-hmm. But just curious yeah, yeah. your opinion. 
I think the answer to that is there's never a good age. There isn't. Some may argue younger is better if, if done properly. Um, I think if we're talking about divorce generally, as long as the child feels that both parents are loving, involved, have, they haven't abandoned them, they feel the love from both parents, and there's a really, really healthy co-parenting relationship, divorce can be done right, absolutely. But when there's a toxic individual involved in that divorce, to ask, to sort of ask, well, when's a good time? There's never a good time. When they're young, it's traumatic. When they're teens, it's traumatic. It's traumatic all the time. Even went into that adulthood to think that why an 18, 19, 20-year-old wouldn't be impacted by um, a divorce is, is kind of wrong. But more importantly, would they not be impacted by having seen a toxic relationship for 18 years? And I... I say something, you know, I almost say to my clients, this is going to be a bit cruel and I'm really sorry. But when they say, I can't leave, I can't do this, I can't, you know, it's bad for the children and it's toxic. And I'm talking about toxic situations. I always say, what are you teaching your children about being able to exit a relationship that is not healthy? And then I say to them, if your child came to you and described the relationship that you have described to me, what would be your answer to them? And, and always they go, oh my God, I tell them to get out. I tell them that they have to leave. And and then my point, but then the, the kind of painful bit is, so why aren't you doing that yourself? Mm. And then it's the pause. But, but, and it's like, what, but because they're your children. And it's like, they'll, children repeat the behavior that they see, not what you speak. So you're teaching them, what you want to teach them is in a, in a divorce that has just broken down because unfortunately two people don't love each other. It's okay to exit and be friends. It's okay to exit and still co-parent. And in a relationship where there is a toxic individual, it's okay to exit to be safe. It's okay to exit to be to, to kind of move away from that danger. And that's the message because what you want is to, you know, the work that I do with clients is great, but if I'm not changing, if we're not changing children, then the cycle just repeats itself. And maybe in 50 years, there'll be another me somewhere down the line doing the same work because that's what happened to them. The idea is that we are changing and we're teaching and educating so that we can highlight what a narcissistic relationship looks like, that you can exit one so that a boy or a girl, younger, goes, ooh, no, that's that's not right. And actually, I can come out of this. That's the point, isn't it? It's making the change for the future so that the pandemic that I sort of describe is being reduced. Yeah, right. The example that that's you're what we talk about. Children. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. I heard an interesting um, like phrase recently that I thought that that's actually it's kind of making sense. Children don't need parents. They need happy parents. They don't need just parents. Mm. They need happy parents. Mm. And I thought that's actually oh, so true because who doesn't want to see their parents happy, you know? Absolutely. And who wants yeah. to see their parents abused? Who wants to see their parents troubled? Who wants to see their parents stressed? Who wants to see their parents uh, walking on eggshells? You know, you can say you stayed with the children, but what did that stay mean? What did you teach them? You taught them that, you know, if mummy or daddy is shouting, screamy, uh, bullish, abusive, that we keep quiet, manage it, you know, what... They'll do that. They will repeat that process. And that can't be good. That's not what you want. And I know fundamentally that I don't think there's a parent alive that would say, no, 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 I don't want that for my child. Mm. Well, and when you grow up as an adult and you look back and you realize that your parents stayed together only because together. of you. It's sad. It's yeah. sad. You're sad because you don't want that for them. And and again, I, I firmly believe, and again, I think this kind of depends what kind of, but my personal opinion is I firmly believe that if you're able to do it in the right way and in a safe way and demonstrate that it's okay, you've taught them the biggest lesson ever. You've taught them that adults make mistakes, adults can still be friends, and it's okay to kind of repair. And again, I know, you know, or if it's an abusive relationship, that it's, it's good to call for safety and it's good mm -hmm. to call boundaries and it's good to call time on abuse. That's what you're teaching them. Yeah. Noel, thank you so much. We're at our time here. Um, this was awesome. How can people find you in case you, they want to um, learn more and work with you? Yes. And 
thank you thank you uh, it was wonderful thank you it's been it's so good and again it's one of those things where we could have chatted forever just as we said at the beginning sure, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you can find me on instagram at um at your underscore divorce underscore coach uh, facebook same your divorce coach you can find me on my website www.yourdivorcecoach.org.uk uh instagram dm me you can have a free discovery call 15 minutes to sort of tell me about your story and i can talk about how i can help um instagram daily stories free content sign up to my blog sign up to my newsletter on my website for free tips on how to manage communication with a narcissist um yeah lots of ways highlights with all my lives this podcast any which way <laughs> awesome thank you so much Duval. i really appreciate your time oh you're so very very welcome thank you so much Thank you for listening to Catamania. If you like this podcast, feel free to follow Catamania on YouTube as well as follow me, your host, on Instagram and TikTok with the handle being Christina Cataman. C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-C-A-T-A-M-A-N. Stay blessed, my friends.